Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. I want to start, get you to help me right off the bat, if you don't mind. If you would, look to the person next to you and say, this is for you. Now look at them and say, never mind, it's for me. So today I want to move forward. Uh, it's been actually a while now, but um, I guess it's been probably a month or so ago uh, we just dove into the revelation. Uh, what I believe the mystery we are gaining through inheritance right now is that he is Abba. And we dove into that revelation and just expounded on it. And today we're going to do a little bit of review on that. Uh, one thing that has always blown my mind is that in, in scholastics, in school, and in things like that, the most important thing in school is repetition. My son comes home from school every single day and writes the same words twice every single day. The same way, same time, and the next week they pick 10, 12 more words and they do it all over again. Why? Repetition is how you learn. The church has aborted the desire to learn by aborting our desire for repetition. We always want the next revelation. What are you going to teach me next? What are you going to do next? And by going to the next thing without learning the first thing negates the first thing that you could have learned. I'm getting way ahead of myself this morning. So what I want to do is make sure that we live in this revelation of Abba and who he is and not, not run on too soon and not leave too soon. And today we're going to review a little bit uh, and we're going to move into some of this that I just started with and we're going to really get into the, to, to just what is revelation? Why is it so important? So today is kind of, I guess if you had to say, it's an Abba part two, but this is my context, my backdrop. This is what we're going to deal with this morning. His full revelation is complete inheritance, all right? So lately, Dad has been preaching on the royal family and the church maturing into the inheritance, and Colby has taught us three different times on the importance of intimacy, so I believe with these foundations that they have already laid so well, my prayer is to hopefully marry the two together this morning and give us some applicable truths to begin unpacking and living in these revelations. Did you know that if you are given a revelation on Sunday morning and you do not invest into that revelation, it does you no good? We're not saying things so you'll hear it. We're saying things so you'll live it. So if you only hear it and don't live it, then that revelation does not apply to your life. So I want to begin with a statement. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm just going to throw this out there, and then later on we're going to revisit this after we review a little bit. The level of inheritance that we walk in will be in direct proportion to the level of revelation we live in. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. The level of inheritance from my father Abba that I get to walk in is in direct proportion to the level of revelation that I choose to live in. Okay? We're going to come back and view that in just a minute. I want to do a quick review on Abba. Why is it so important that we, we understand him, we catch the revelation of him as Abba, Father? Jesus called him Father. Jesus called him Abba. He did not just refer to him as God. He didn't make him distant. He didn't make him generic. But Jesus made it personal. He made, it, he made him a father. So the, San, the Sanhedrin of his time knew him as God, but only Jesus knew him as father. 
As God, they followed his rules, but as Father, Jesus followed his heart. I believe this is exactly where a lot of the church is today. We've learned to follow the rules, and we know how to color inside the lines, but we don't know him as Father. We don't know him as Abba. The only thing we know he's saying is whatever our pastor tells us that he's saying. Man, we're just going to be real this morning. So we haven't begun to follow his heart. We've only followed his rules. And if Jesus paid such a high price to transfer us from the old covenant to the new covenant, why would we, by not catching the revelation of Father, choose to live in an old covenant that Jesus plainly did away with? When we don't move into the revelation that he is Abba Father and I am in him and he is in me, if we do not move on and live in that revelation, then we are negating in our own lives what Jesus accomplished on the cross. We are choosing to live between Genesis and Malachi instead of entering into Matthew. So Jesus came to make it personal again, but the problem is we tend to make God generic. He is bringing our attention he is bringing to our attention that the title he desires to have in our lives is not just God, it's Father. We see this theme throughout all of Jesus' ministry. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus only calling him Father. He was fully bought into the revelation that he was a son and Abba was his father. Why is this so important? Why, why do we need to understand this? Because there are some benefits to knowing him as God, but there are greater benefits to knowing him as Father. The Sanhedrin knew him as God and lived in some benefit, but Jesus knew him as Father and lived in the ultimate benefit, the fullness of the kingdom, the fullness of the Godhead. All of the kingdom was within him and could be released at any moment because of his revelation of who God was. What is, what is some of the benefit that comes from this? And I, I want to take a moment here and quote Colby, just some stuff he sent me a while back that we were reading through. He wrote, The abundant... The abundant life that the Father created all of us to live in is not the rival of steal, kill, and destroy. It's the very thing that absolutely crushes the intentions and the hopes of our enemy. It's life and light that abolishes all darkness. That is the abundant life that we live in when we know him as Abba. We live in a life that is not competing with the enemy, that is utterly destroying the enemy. Right now, we are rivals with the enemy. And sometimes we win, sometimes he wins. And you know what a good rival is? It's when you don't really know who's going to win. So most of us enter into these battles with that mindset. We're not really sure who's going to come out on top, but we hope it's us this time. He said, that's not how you were supposed to live. Jesus said, no, I didn't come so that you could win some. I came so that you could win them all. Because I can't remember one that Jesus lost. Oh, well, he was crucified on the cross only because he let them. Oh, man, me and Colby got us some stuff in the office this morning. I can't wait to share with you, but I can't yet. So benefits of him being dad, for instance, I don't call my dad Dean. Some of you may call him Dean. Hopefully you call him pastor. But that would make him the same to me as he is to you. I call him dad. Why? Because I have a relational position with him that other people don't. The relational position with our father is what separates us from the world. If I can't know him as father, then I'm no different than they are. I call him what they call him. I reap the benefits they reap. Because when I just know him as God, everybody on earth is reaping the benefits of him being God. Everybody's breathing, everybody's living, everybody's existing. That's all because he's God. So everybody reaps those benefits. But the beauty of being in the family is that we step into an area of reaping benefits that they cannot reap. 
That's why in the Old Testament it says 10 men from 10 nations would jerk on your skirt tail and say, I need to know the God that you serve. Why? Because they had so many benefits. Were they rich and wealthy? No. Were they be- did they have more benefits than the rich and wealthy? Yes. I know that ain't popular, but I'm just throwing it out there. Father is a greater title than pastor. I had to learn this with me and my, my dad's relationship. I went through this thing where I had to call him pastor. Some of you have already heard this. I told you I'm reviewing. Consider it repetition. You're learning something today. So I had to go through the process of learning that I didn't have to call him pastor, that it was a greater, a greater positional title to call him dad. It made it personal. It made us connected. See, most of us are only calling him God because of the distance between us. Father brings him close. It makes me connected to him. I rely on him. I love him. I interact with him. I am in relationship with him. The other point that we brought up was that God becomes so generic that if you go overseas in most places, you can't just say God because they don't know which God you're talking about. They have a God for everything. So you have to be specific and say, he is the one true living God. He is Abba. He is Yahweh. He is... I'm sorry, I thought y'all would get excited about who he is. So we have to come to the revelation of who he is to ever begin to live in who we are. If you can't accept the revelation that he is father, then you can never live as a son and a daughter. And if you never begin to live as a son and a daughter and buy into the revelation or experience, I like that word better, experience the revelation that he is father and you are son or daughter, when you understand that, then you begin to accept, you know what, if I am his daughter, I am his son, I must have an inheritance. He must be leaving something to me. Well, you see, there's a process. We want the blessings of the inheritance without the revelation of who he is. Doesn't work that way. So let's get into this today. I'm going to start in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out. Or we whisper quietly. Whatever you like to do. It doesn't matter. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God. That means we're joint heirs, co-heirs with Christ himself. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. Man, this is, I, I need you to take some time and wrap your mind around this, mor- this, this morning. He said, if the Spirit is dwelling in us, and through the Spirit we cry, Abba, Father, then it's the, the witness that we have been adopted. And if we are adopted, then we have access to everything Jesus has access to. I want to read this again. I'm going to read these same scriptures, but I want to read them to you from the Passion Translation, which you've already heard once this morning. But I love the way he breaks this down. You ready? You did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you receive the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned again. For as he rises within us, our spirit joins him in saying these words of tender affection, Beloved Father, which is translated Abba. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost beings, You are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. 
For indeed, we are heirs to God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he has and all that he is. My goodness. Are y'all hearing this this morning? If you are living in the revelation that he is Abba and you are his son and daughter, you have access to anything and everything that Jesus is, was, or will be. Everything that he accessed on earth, you have access to only through the revelation of who he is. Not by strength, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. What spirit? The spirit of revelation that comes on you and makes real, it just said, the fatherhood of God. And when it's made real in me, then I begin to live like, you know what? I am a son. You know what? I do have an inheritance. I am the head and not the tail. I am the lender and not the borrower. I don't have to be defeated. I don't have to lose. Joshua was such an awesome picture of this in the Old Testament when he lost to, the, uh, to Ai. He didn't accept it and say, well, we're going to win some, we're going to lose some. No, he went back and said, something's wrong because I'm not designed to lose. My father doesn't lose, therefore I don't lose. But the thing is, we, don't, we haven't experienced the revelation of everything that he is. And when you're not living in the experience of the revelation, you tend to live in less than you were designed for. Orphans live in less than what they were designed for. No child born on earth was designed to live in poverty. God didn't create them and think, I'm going to put them in the worst condition I can think of. But because of them being orphaned in a lot of situations, they live in less than God intended them to. Is that not the picture of his own church today? We're living in so much less than he designed us to live in because we don't understand we have a father. And we don't access the father. And we don't respond and stay in relationship with the father. So we live without the majority of what he's called us to live with. And in America, we have built an entire theology around it. We've built a theology. It should be called the lesser theology because we live in so much less than we were intended to. And the, the, the sad part about it is we're okay. We're okay. Let me show up on Sunday and clap my hands and give my offer and go to the house. I'm good. And we'll skate into heaven, and you, I'm, not, I'm not even here to debate whether you're going to heaven or not. I'm here to debate whether you're living in heaven or not. Thank you, Holy Spirit, because I could not have come up with that. So it says, we are children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs. If we can't receive the revelation that he is our father and we are his children, then we are missing out on the inheritance that we are supposed to live in. That inheritance isn't just getting to go to heaven. It's getting to live in heaven while we are still here. It's being able to live in all of the benefits now. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's your inheritance. Your inheritance is to access everything that is in heaven right now in this moment. You were designed to make whatever place you find yourself in be the closest thing to heaven anybody can experience. That's our inheritance. It's not something I work hard to get. It's not something I try to muster up and create around me. No, I'm just a son. And being a son, I am inheriting some things that only come from my Father. But when we can't receive the spirit of full acceptance and we keep him as a generic distant God, then we forfeit the inheritance that we could be living in right now. And we settle for being broke, busted, and disgusted when he has called us to live a life more abundantly. Our inheritance is the kingdom. And Jesus and Paul both taught us that the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. We should be living in a level of righteousness 
peace, and joy that people are craving it. Three elements that everybody wants in their life is righteousness, peace, and joy, whether they realize it or not. They're searching for peace in anything and everything they can find. They want joy, which they substitute for happiness. They're searching for these things. And he's saying, when you're my child, you just get them. They're just a part of who you are. They're the kingdom of heaven deposited within you. If you experience the revelation that he is Abba. Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they would catch the revelation of the wealth of God's glorious inheritance so they could experience the greatness of his power that was made available to them. Not so one day they could escape this world and go to heaven, but so that right here, right now, they could live in the fullness of heaven. He's calling us up. He's calling us to a place that when we begin to to understand and experience the revelation that he is Abba and I have access, I have act, he has made available all of the inheritance to me. Then we quit living in lack and we quit living in a I wish I had this or I wish I was that or I wish I could do this and we start living in the fullness of everything I need has been placed within me. Uh, I guess it's been a week ago now. On Saturday, we, we, we got to meet with this awesome man uh, that's in the ministry, and he just shared his heart with us. And he got so stirred up about the revelation of me and Christ and Christ in me. And as he just kept saying it over and over, man, if you just understand, it's you and Christ and Christ in you. And he just kept repeating it, and I haven't been able to get past that since we left that meeting. To start walking in the understanding that I am hidden in Christ and everything that is in Christ has been placed within me. I have it. I don't have to beg him for it. I don't have to manipulate it out of his hand. I have it. It's an inheritance. It's an inheritance for his children. So let's, let's pull some scripture and look at the connection between our inheritance and our revelation. Nisha, will you give me Ephesians chapter 1? This is Paul talking to the church in Ephesus, and he says, I'm praying for you that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of the power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Guess what? I'm going to read it to you in the Passion. Surprise. I should have just put it in my iPad, huh? I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God would illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, the holy ones. My prayer for you is that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Why? So that then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. That's your inheritance. That's what has been laid out and given to you. I love this because we're talking about the inheritance of a royal family. 
And earlier I mentioned this is the direction that Dad has been preaching in. And Colby has brought, for me, one of the greatest revelations on intimacy that I've ever heard preached in the church. And when those two come together, it comes together at this scripture where he said, the spirit of revelation and understanding so you would know what is the inheritance within you. How? Through the deepening of intimacy with him. That's how it comes. That's where the revelation is found. You don't, you don't accidentally get revelation. Revelation comes when I am hungry and thirsty, when I am seeking, when I am pursuing him in an intimate place. He begins to unlock the inheritance that is within me. He begins to release and unpack everything that he stored within me when I am in that place of deepening intimacy with him. Full revelation only comes through a deepening, deepening intimacy. Without a hunger for more of him, it is impossible for us to elevate in our revelation. We love to quote the scriptures that talk about going from glory to glory, but in reality, we don't get to live in the next glory until we live out this glory. We don't get to go to the next glory until my life is the example of this glory. It sounds so good, though. We're going glory to glory and faith to faith. No, we're not. We're sitting right here until we live out this glory, until we live out this revelation. You're not going to get the next big revelation that you're searching or asking, not searching, that you're asking for until he is watching the revelation that you're in be manifested in your life. You may hear lots of sermons that motivate you and push you into the next place, but you will not receive that revelation until you have unfolded, unpacked, and exhausted the revelation that you have found yourself in. He said, through the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. This actually breaks down to mean the spirit of discovery. So there are riches that can only be acquired through our desire to discover. According to this scripture, according to this scripture, that desire comes through our deepening intimacy with him. I have to read you these two scriptures that go along with this because they just are so good. Colossians 2 and 3 says, For our spiritual wealth is in him, like hidden treasure waiting to be discovered, heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation and knowledge. Then Colossians 1.5 says, That you would access your destiny through these treasures of your inheritance that are stored up in the heavenly realm. Verse 18 shows us that the goal of the spirit of discovery is to lead us to the experience of a full revelation. His desire is that you would experience the revelation. Not that you would hear something good, not that you would hear a great sermon, or we would put it together the way you think it should be, but that you would experience a revelation. Not a bunch of head knowledge. I believe right now the church is drowning in head knowledge. We know so much that it literally burdens us down because of how much we don't do. We hear sermon after sermon after sermon. We go to Bible studies. We've got life groups. We've got every avenue of just pouring stuff into us. And it becomes a burden because it's never acted upon. It's never applied. It's never put into to, to action within our lives. He said, I'm not here to give you head knowledge. I'm here to give you a new life, a new experience. I'm here to give you a revelation that becomes so real, it changes your experience. This is what it's supposed to do to us. Romans 8 and 23 in the Passion says, We who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit, 
inwardly groan as we passionately long for the experience of the full status of God's sons and daughters. Do you know what's supposed to happen when you hear or experience a revelation of God? It's supposed to create a longing in you to walk in the fullness of being his son. There should be something within you that so stirs on the inside. To me, it makes me think of Jeremiah when he wrote, it was like fire in my bones, and I wanted to keep my mouth shut, but I couldn't because he's so good. He's so great, and it's so real. When is the last time we sat on a pew and heard a revelation, and it so stirred within me? I said, you know what? I can't sit here and do nothing. I can't go back to my normal life. I can't go back to a mundane Christianity. I have to live out. This thing that is within me. What has happened? Has the spirit within us become so cold and so dry that even the revelation that is coming back out from the pulpit does not stir us inwardly? If you are not stirred, moved, and motivated by an experience of a revelation from God, your spirit is dead and it needs to be revived. He said, deep cries out to deep. The spirit is groaning and longing. What's it longing for? That impartation of the Father. And when it gets it, when it experiences it, it explodes within us. And it just drags us into a place of, I can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait to get out there and love on this community. I can't wait to get out there and be an expression of Jesus. There's a fullness that we should be longing for that only comes when we have completely unpacked the revelation that we are living in. The quote we started with, the level of inheritance, that means everything he has for you, the level of the inheritance that we walk in will be in direct proportion to the level of revelation that I live in. Are we living within these revelations? Or do we just hear them on Sundays and that's good enough for us? We got it in our little notebook. It has to become real. You know what made the word of God so real? It became flesh and dwelt among us. The problem is the words that are coming from here are not becoming flesh. The word, the revelation that is being given by God has to become flesh in our community and walk among the people. The community should know every revelation that's coming from this pulpit by looking at the people in the church. They should know, man, that church is in the revelation of love God, love people. That church is in a revelation of being an heir to the throne. That church is living in the fullness of Abba Father. Why? Because I experienced them on the street. We're not walking in the fullness because we're not living in the revelation. You've got to live in it. It's got to remain who you are. It's got to be on your mind constantly. He said, pray without ceasing. I, just, I kept thinking of that when I was, you have to be in that, that position. You have to be postured in that place within the revelation that he's given you. As I was just getting ready for this, I was sitting in my office, I think it was Thursday, and if I'm just being honest with you guys, I was so struggling with putting this word together, it just wasn't, I'm very meticulous when it comes to putting a message together, I like to have it written just like I want it, I like some places bold, some places underlined, some places highlighted, I just, I'm weird like that, okay? But I was trying to put all that together, and it just didn't look like I wanted it to, and I was struggling with it, and I would read through it, and it didn't make sense, and I was just struggling like that, and literally just sitting at my desk, the Holy Spirit just spoke into my, ser- into my spirit, treasure in a field. So, of course, I thought of the parable 
of the treasure in the field. So I went and looked it up. Begin to read it. It's only one verse, and I didn't even give it to Nisha or write it down in my notes. But I can tell you it because it's only one verse. It says there was a man, I'm paraphrasing, there's a man who found a treasure in a field, stumbled upon a treasure, let's say, in a field. He covered the treasure up, went, sold everything that he had, everything, and come back and bought the field, not the treasure. And it just became so real to me. I was thinking, where are you going with this? So I began to look into this and study it out. And I began to ask the question, why didn't he just come back and buy the treasure? That's what caught his attention, right? That's what made him interested. He stumbled upon a treasure, and it was awesome. And He sold everything he had, so he should have had what it would take to buy the treasure. But instead, he comes back and buys the field. I believe this is because he was so convinced that the treasure he found was only the beginning of what was to be discovered within the field. In other words, the first treasure that he came across wasn't what satisfied him. I feel like in a lot of ways, we've just settled for that one revelation that we stumbled on. Oh, oh my gosh, gosh, you're so, God, you're so good. That was so awesome. That was an awesome revelation. That was an awesome experience. I'm, I'm so happy for that. And then we're, up, we're on our way. But this man goes back and sells everything. That means he sold his house. He sold his land. He sold everything. So literally, he finds himself in a place. I feel like Holy Spirit speaking right now to somebody. That you're in this place where you feel like you're at the place where you're ready to sell out completely everything so that you can invest into this revelation, but you're between the place. Because by the time he sold everything and then went to buy, he was in a middle place of where he had nothing. He didn't have the fullness of the revelation yet, but he had done given up everything that he had. He had done given up everything that he was and who he was and his old identity, but he wasn't yet operating in the fullness of the revelation that he was about to get. And a lot of times we find ourselves in that place. But the question is, are you willing to so give up everything else that you have to move and reside within the field where you found the revelation? He had to live there. He sold everything he had. He had nowhere else to go. He had to learn to live within the field. He was so convinced of the quantity of the treasure that he was going to reside in the place where he found it. His desire to remain in the place he found, his desire was to remain in the place he found the treasure until it had been exhausted. He put all his value in the source of the treasure, not the treasure itself. Give me a revelation. Give me a word, pastor. Give me a word, pastor. Won't you invest in the field and get your own word? That was harsh. I shouldn't have said it like that. I apologize. But this is what we've done. We've made it all about the word. That's why pastors are superstars nowadays. They can bring the word like nobody else. But who's buying the field? Who's buying the field? Who's willing to put all their resources, energy, efforts, desires, passions into the source of the revelation? If you think it's good to come here on Sunday morning and hear one of our preachers pour out a revelation, you should experience going to the field and getting your own 
It is so great. It is so much better. We are average at best, subpar, I told somebody this morning. We are subpar at presenting the revelation that we got. But when you're in the moment of uncovering it for yourself and you have bought the land and invested into the moment... See, somebody could have gave him the treasure, and it would have been cool, but it wouldn't have had the value. The value came when he said, I'm going to buy the whole field, and I'm going to dig it up myself. Then it meant something. You couldn't have taken it from him. You couldn't have convinced him to sell it. You couldn't have done anything. Why? He had done given up everything he had. There was no going back to what he was before. Now he was a proud landowner of the source of all treasure. My gosh, that's good. That's what I want to be. I want to be a proud landowner of the source of all the revelation. Me and Scott were just, just mulling over this the other day when God was first giving it to me. I always go to a bunch of these guys and bounce it off of them because they usually know more than I do. And then I just write down what they say and y'all think I did something good. So, uh, <laughs> But we were talking about this and, and he brought it up in the sense of, of oil. If you stumbled upon a place and you were shooting at some food, and up from the ground came a bubbling pool. And yeah, y'all like that, didn't y'all? <laughs> How crazy would it be to gather the oil that you found on the ground and go sell it and be done? Well, I got my 200 bucks. I'm good to go. What if you decided to go back and buy the land, put a rig on it, and swim in the money? I'm just, you see what I'm saying? You could have had the rights to what was producing the treasure, but we're settling for skimming the treasure off the top. That is real right there. He said, I've given you the inheritance of the land. I've given you the land, and you're choosing to scrape something off the top that someone else left behind. Someone You want the regurgitated revelation that someone else came up with and pours it into you. He said, when I've given you the inheritance to the land and the rights that are everything that is under it, and it will provide you with anything and everything you could ever need or want if you'll buy the field. Mm, I'm exhausted. Just hearing the revelation doesn't bring change. It's our investment into the revelation that unlocks it. I thought about this in the sense of prophetic words. Someone can speak the most incredible prophetic word over your life, but if you do not invest in it, if you don't invest in it, it's not going nowhere. It's not, it's not going to just pop up one day. Now, I understand there is a, a lot to be unpacked there, and I would rather a prophet do that. But in an elementary sense, an elementary understanding, when somebody comes to you and says, you're going to be... An awesome man of God. That doesn't mean you get to sit back and do nothing and wait for God to make you awesome. Because that would take him a long time for some of y'all. We weren't created to stumble around from one treasure to the next. The treasure is the gate into the source of all treasure. We weren't meant to stumble around from one treasure to the next. The treasure is merely the gate into the source of all treasure. We weren't meant to stumble around from one treasure to the next. The treasure is the gate into the source of all treasure. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, and us guys that, that, that talk a lot, we kick this scripture around constantly, is Proverbs 25 and 2. It says, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, and it's the honor of kings to search it out. 
Search it out. Oh, I love that. When is the last time we went into our quiet time with a hunger to search out the revelation? The Bible is full of mysteries. Paul called them treasures. They're hidden treasures that I get the privilege to dig in and unlock and open and receive. And it's, there's nothing greater than those moments of being in there and all of a sudden, ah, that was good. <laughs> I find myself on that one. All right, bring it back. We're getting real carnal. Y'all bring it back. What is a revelation? Let's wrap it up with this. What is a revelation? It's a fact that is disclosed or revealed. I love this. Especially in a dramatic or a surprising way. I just love that. It just sounds like God. It's also God's disclosure of his own nature and his purpose for mankind. Something in which such a divine disclosure is contained, such as your Bible. Can I tell you, if you have no value for the written word of God, don't expect to receive the audible word of God. If you're not invested in this word, you're not going to receive that word. That was free. So this is where we are this morning. He is so trying to unlock the inheritance of these mysteries within our lives. Pastor has been preaching for a while now of, 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 of walking in, maturing into the inheritance. And I believe so much, this is where we're at, that, that our Father is trying to mature us into a place of ex experiencing, living, unlocking, unpacking all the inheritance that He has for our lives. But just like with Jesus, Jesus had to have the moment where God spoke and said, this is my son. And in that moment, it was the revelational experience. I need you to catch this. It was a revelational experience that catapulted Jesus into the second half of his ministry that became the greatest ministry we've ever seen on the face of the earth. By one person, that is. But it began in the place where he had a revelational experience that he fully invested into. He fully gave into it. The problem is we are getting revelational experiences that we're not investing into and we're wondering why it don't work. We're wondering why, why am I not seeing what other people are seeing? Why am I not living in the fullness of their hands? Why don't, why don't people get healed when I pray for them? Why ain't this happening financially? Why ain't, and all these questions are stirring, and they're all stirring. And I believe Abba is sitting in heaven saying, you can have all of it. It's all yours through an experiential revelation that you invest into and you believe in. So much so that it begins to determine, govern, guide. He said that, uh, they even said it compels us. That means to constrain and hold me in. All these things begin to become attributes of my life as I begin to walk out the full inheritance. Why? Because a full, clear revelation gives me a complete inheritance. It gives me all of it. Jesus said, greater works than these you shall do. That's our inheritance. Me and Colby were talking this morning in the office, and we were talking about some of the just bigger-than-life things that Jesus did. To me, one of them 
is when he stood on the bow of the ship and the storm was going crazy and he just said, be quiet. Could you imagine being in the boat and all of a sudden everything stops? I told Colby, I said, I bet it was so quiet you could hear a pin drop. Just this, the power, the virtue that came out of that moment. It's, it's bigger than life. One of my favorite just this one just probably blows me away more than anything. It's when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and the soldiers come to get him. And we're talking about Roman soldiers. These are the baddest dudes on the planet. They don't surrender. They don't back up. They're trained to be the baddest man you'll, enter, you'll, you'll, you'll come in contact with. They walk into the Garden and Jesus says, Who are you looking for? They say, Jesus. He says, I am he. And they fall to the ground. Powerless, weak, defeated in surrender to who he is just because he said, I'm him. Can you imagine the power in that moment? Just the greatness of all that was. And the disciples that are there experiencing all that take place. And then can you imagine when he says, guess what? You're going to do greater stuff than this. Wait, what? This is our inheritance. But we've chose to live with that little handful off the top. We've chose to be okay with as long as I get to heaven off of it. As long as I don't go to hell. Man, it's so real. It's so real. This is where we found ourselves. But he is, I feel like he's such an awesome father in heaven saying, I have so much for you. I want you to have this. He's standing there open-handed. He's not gripping tightly anything. He's standing open-handed saying, I want you to have this. This is your inheritance. He didn't say wages. He didn't say this is what you have to earn. If you work hard enough, I'll pay you this. No. He said, when you live in the revelation that you're my son, you're my daughter, you can just reach out and grab it. Need healing? Let's just reach out and grab it. You need deliverance? You need a breakthrough? No, let me phrase that. Don't reach out and grab it. Reach in and grab it. Why? Because I am Christ and He is in me. The fullness of everything that He is. He is the fullness of the Godhead. Right here. Right here within me. He said, this is yours. You can have it. Freely. Freely I give it to you. I just really feel like somebody's struggling with this in your mind right now that it's too, like we said, it's, it's bigger than life. It's too big. It, how do you understand this? How do you wrap your mind around this? How do you enter into that place? But Holy Spirit is here this morning. His desire is to direct you through this revelation, to help you just weave through it and unpack it, open it up. I remember a prophetic word Scott got one time. He'll remember this, where the, the, the vision or the vision he got for the church, remember it was all the boxes and it was like Christmas and we were just tearing them open, just going through them. It was just phenomenal, all the gifts, all the presents. And it was just him saying, I'm your father and this is what life's supposed to be like. You should get to wake up every day and experience Christmas. That's just good. It would be hard to be depressed if we lived like that, wouldn't it? It would, hard, it would be hard to be oppressed and beat up and discouraged in a bad attitude. I'm just naming what most Christians look like and act like. You know, all these things that has become normal and common, it would be hard to be that way if I woke up every day and just unpacked the inheritance. Oh, I'm full of joy today. I'm full of grace today. I'm full of peace today. 
Satan can't do anything with that. He has no, he has no hold on that. He has nowhere to enter. No access when I'm standing in the inheritance. God, look at me like I'm supposed to do something. I, I so, I, I'm trying not to rush this because in all seriousness, there's something within me that wants you to catch this more than anything else. Please, please look beyond me. I am merely the messenger. Don't, don't think about how I brought it or what it was done or how it looked. or how. No, think about how the Spirit is relaying it to your spirit right now. It's personal for you. It's personal for each and every one of you. Why? Because he's a personal father. And he's not some generic God that throws out generic seed and just says, hopefully somebody gets it. No, he's so personal. And in your world with him right now, you're the only one. He has eyes only for you. So he's speaking for you specifically in this moment, saying if you'll listen, if you'll receive, if you'll invest into this revelation, you'll experience the fullness of the Father that we have been adopted to. That we get to cry, Abba, Father. Somebody right now needs to close your eyes, tune out everybody else, and just begin to declare that he is Abba, Father. Let the Holy Spirit within you begin to cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, you are my Father. You would move heaven and earth for me. You have nothing but good planned for me. You work all things together for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. Your desire is to unlock the inheritance that is within us because you're a good Father. You know the plans that you have for me. They're for good. They're for joy. They're for prosperity. They're not for lack. They're not for harm. They're not for hurt. Thank you, Jesus. We cry Abba this morning. We humbly, we humbly cry Abba that you were gracious enough to adopt us into this perfect family. Though we were imperfect, you said while we were yet sinners, you came and adopted us into the family. You came and died and made a way and adopted me when I didn't deserve it when I was doing everything I wanted to do, and I was living according to my way, my will, my flesh. You made a judgment call and said, you know what, they're worth it. For God so loved the world, every single individual. He so loved them, he gave equally to every single person. Because he's a good father. Father, I thank you for, for being so faithful to us. Your word teaches us that you're faithful even when we're not faithful. Faithful is not a characteristic of yours, it's who you are. And it would be impossible for you to be unfaithful because then you would not be God. So this morning, I just want to say thank you that you were faithful once again to come this morning to, to, to speak into our hearts, to speak into our lives, to fill this place with the goodness of your presence during worship as we exalted you and we lifted you up this morning. You're just so good to come and be with your children. And I'm thankful this morning 
I'm so thankful that you're so faithful. My prayer this morning as we get ready to leave, my prayer is that this, this revelation of who you are and who we are would become such a real experience in our lives that it would begin to affect every part of our life. It would begin to affect the way we process thoughts and everything. They would have to pass through this revelation that you are Abba, you are Father. Let it be so real to us. Let this experience be forever changing us. And give us the hunger. You said blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Give us that hunger and that thirst to pursue, to dig, to discover, to unlock and unpack all the mysteries and the treasures of the inheritance that is stored up in heavenly realms. Once again, we want to say thank you, Abba. Thank you that you are such a good father. Forgive us in the areas that we've been slack, areas that we've, we've, we've disappointed. We've come up short, Father. Forgive us and give us the grace to move on, to move forward. We thank you for it. And the whole church said, amen. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.